Are you ready to tap in to your power within so that your business can reach its truest potential? Hi, I'm Candace Haza, and I help business entrepreneurs access their inner GPS so that their business can grow and thrive. You are here to serve and to create an impact in this world. Welcome to the Intuitive Business Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome. As I sit here uh, in my office, I am hearing a truck outside. Um, The truck's a a dump truck, and it's um, dumping about three scoops of mulch (laughs) just in time for Mother's Day. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I want to dedicate this episode, of course, to all mothers. And especially to my mother-in-law, Josie. Um, today she was uh, diagnosed with the coronavirus. And she's been my mom for 36 years. And um, I'm just sending her really happy thoughts. And I'm inviting you to send happy thoughts of health and wealth to her. Um, She's asymptomatic right now, but she had a headache this week, we think. So, um, yeah. So send her some love. She's a really awesome lady. She has a picture with her and Mother Teresa. And uh, that pretty much sums it up with my mother-in-law. She's always devoted her life to uh, feeding the homeless and... uh, helping kids in school, you know, that needed it. She was a librarian. She'd always read stories and take care of them. So I'm going to devote this or dedicate this episode to her and wishing her um, good health and, and happiness and that she comes through this quickly. So thank you. So today I want to talk about mothers. Oh my goodness. What a subject, right? For me and for the model of the world I came from, I was very lucky and very loved. Um, and, and I'm really grateful for that. So that's the pre-frame I'm going to come from is, is moms that truly love their children. And for some mothers out there that may have had to give some of their the child that they gave up in, um, in this world because of a situation that they were in. And as you're listening to this, you may have not even ever shared with somebody that you had to give a baby up. But I want to talk to you too because I want to thank you. I want to thank you from an adopted kid. I want to talk to you because somehow I understand your heart. My very first episode, I talk about meeting my birth mother. I knew my birth mother. I met her when I was 33 years old. I knew nothing about her. Zero. Not her name, not how old she was, nor where she lived. Nothing. 
So one time I wrote a story called Bananas on Trees. <laughs> I was a 16-year-old girl, and I went to Florida for my very first time, and my gra- girlfriend's Nana, we were at her house, and uh, I looked up in the tree, and I'll be darned, there were these green things shaped just like bananas. <laughs> I wasn't stupid. I knew what they were. But it just absolutely mesmerized mesmerized me that these bananas were up on that tree. And somehow in my heart, since I never was born from anybody, you know, as a little kid, our minds are quite literal, and I I didn't have a birth vessel. (laughs) My mom didn't bore me or birth me into this world. She loved me, and I loved her, and she was my mom. She didn't bring me into the world that way. So I kind of felt like bananas on trees, even though we know the banana in the grocery store literally came from a tree. The first time you see it, even if you're 16, it's kind of jarring. And that's kind of how it felt when I met my birth mother. And I tell the story about how intuition led me and intuitive reading led me to my mother and all parts of that reading were true and I still have it recorded today. So the person that's listening to me right now that may have given a child up and maybe you don't know who your kid is or how they're doing they're safe. So I'm going to invite you to think about the gift that my birth mother gave to me. She gave me my mom, Betty. She gave me a better life than she could have had then when she was 17 or 18. She gave me a mom and dad that... I can't even imagine. I mean, I love my children so much, but somehow as much as I love my children, they just, I really felt loved from top to bottom, front to back. (laughs) Oh man. So if you're sitting there for any reason, wondering how your daughter or your son's doing that you may have given up, I can tell you, I met a whole bunch of adopted kids, and I had a great life, so I can only speak for me, but I saw a lot of adopted kids back in my day, (laughs) and the kids that were given up, you know, in the 60s, they were all so loved and well taken care of and so wanted, and had such great families at the picnics I used to go to with the adopted um, kids. <laughs> we were all adopted. And then every now and then there would be somebody show up at the adopted party that had an adopted kid and <laughs> they'd have a bump in their belly. <laughs> so surprise, surprise. <laughs> That's kind of how my mom was too. My mom, Betty, she's the one that raised me and uh, she's the one I consider my mom. Jerry was my birth mom, and I consider her Jerry my birth mom. (laughs) But I called her Jerry. I always called my mom, Mom. 
so this this month, a couple days ago, I just celebrated my I Got You Day. And that always started to be a sad day after both my parents were gone. And my mom's now been gone um, around 25 years. And so May 2nd, I'd always get a gift because that was my birthday. That was the first day my parents saw me. And they had an I got you story. And so my mom said, uh, you know, she waited and waited and waited for me. They waited 10 years. They were married 10 years. I forget how long. I think it was close to that for the adoption agency because my mom and dad were like 31 and 32. And, you know, back in the 60s, people had their grandchildren by the time they were 36. So they waited to get me a long time. And then my mom was quite anxious and they would make all these visits into the home. And, uh, it got to the point that she was going to have a breakdown over it. My dad said, because they'd come in and they'd come in with a white glove. You never knew when they were coming. And the woman would say, how's a child ever going to live in this home? It's so clean. Every time I come in, there's never any dust. Like, how's a child going to live like that? And then my mom would just about go crazy, like sitting there waiting and waiting for somebody to like pop into the home while she didn't dust, which of course drove her crazy. <laughs> and so finally my dad said to the social worker, you know, Mrs. Buka, he said, I don't think Bets can handle much more of this, and we really want a child more than anything in this world, but I can't see my wife go through this anymore. And Mrs. Puka said, Billy, I want to tell you something. He's, oops, be patient. Just wait a little bit longer. What she didn't tell him is that I was already born, and I was in the orphanage, and the other thing that she didn't tell him until I believe the day that she was dying, my dad went to see her. And I remember when he came home, I think it was about 15, and he was shooken up. Like he was, my dad was a real big heart, but he wasn't like a crier. But I could see he was trying to keep himself together that whole day when he came home and, uh, God, I'm getting emotional thinking about him being emotional. And all these years later, I finally realized that when he went to say goodbye to her, I think she told him who she was. And let me tell you who she was. She was an aunt of mine. So my biological birth father was involved in the picture in the beginning. And then my mom and him fell apart at the end. So they had intentions to get married. So the families were involved in this adoption and at least knew about the situation. And, um, so this lady, Mrs. Buca, who's many years deceased, she was a social worker and she was placing her flesh and blood, me with my mom and dad and I can't imagine how emotional my dad must have felt knowing that this woman entrusted one of her family members to him. 
He was a, a man of great honor and uh, great pride, and and he did everything in life to the nth degree. You know how some people say, oh, I procrastinate. I can honestly say both of my parents were not procrastinators. <laughs> if something needed to be done, it was done then. And when they called me, they expected me to come then. <laughs> it wasn't like, well, wait a second, mom. <laughs> wait a second, dad. Mm-mm. <laughs> not in our house. <laughs> they were great parents. <sighs> And so this Mother's Day, all these years later, understanding that, you know, when I was born, I was in the orphanage and that I was coming home to my mom and dad and they almost stopped the process right then. (laughs) Thank goodness that... My dad listened to Mrs. Buca and hung in there for a little bit longer because right after then, they got a call within about two weeks after my mom and dad said, we can't handle this anymore. It's just too disruptive. And Mrs. Buca said, "Um, we have a, a couple options for you. One is there's a little boy and a little girl. I forget they were older, maybe four and two. Uh, that need adopted, and then we have a baby. And Mrs. Puka knew what my mom and dad wanted. <laughs> and they said, of course, oh, oh, the baby. The, and they, they didn't even ask what sex, I don't think they asked what sex it was right away. And then they were like, oh, what is it? And they said, a little girl. And my dad always loved, you know, little girls. And when I had little Carly, oh, my God, he was so happy. So they went to get me. And my mom immediately quit work. She went into work. She said, hey, I got my baby coming. I'm giving my two-week notice. And, and they quickly had a baby shower almost immediately at work. And then she, you know, she was a mom. You know, after all those years working, she became a mom. So they drove up to, I, I believe they went to Rosalia. I don't think that they ever told me or, or alluded to, you know, not, it not being Rosalia. So, and that's where they adopted me or picked me up. What I didn't know my whole life is that Rosalia was uh, a home for unwed mothers in Pittsburgh. And girls, young girls would go there to have children that they were going to give up for adoption right before they were showing. And then what would happen is they would help care for the babies with the sisters of, um, of Rosalia. I, I, it was a certain, um, a certain part of the nuns and I'm not thinking, I can't think of it right now, the Dominican nuns. And Sisters of Seton Hill, which if you've heard my Phoenix story of my son's birth, that's where I went to pray to be healed from cancer. The same nuns. I don't know if I put that together except right now. So the nuns that nurtured me 
when I was, you know, a baby up until three months old in the orphanage in Rosalia are the same nuns I ironically went to pray for my son to be born when I was sick with cancer and wanted a second child, Phoenix, my son. So they, they go there and they get out of the car and they park the car and they have a box and there's like a, a Kaufman's box. Kaufman's was a department store, kind of like Watt and Shan or, um, so they, they had this box and my mom says I had to have everything in there. I had to have diaper, diaper pins, plastic pants, shoes, socks, um, they would have picked me up in May, so like a sweater, a bonnet, um, a blanket. Like there was, <laughs> I came with nothing, <laughs> which is really how all kids come. <laughs> so they came, they brought this little box in, and the sisters greeted them, and they sat them in a waiting room. <laughs> and they took the box, and they went back. And my mom said the longest wait of her life her nine months <laughs> was 10 years of having the lady with the finger duster with the white gloves come into her house. And that time that she sat in that waiting room was torturous. She says, I don't know what they were doing. But if you knew my mom, my socks had ruffles, my plastic panties had ruffles, ruffles had ruffles. I probably had a ruffled slip. So this poor nuns probably had to put all this stuff on me. <laughs> so she said, I was waiting and waiting. And she said, then they called me and I came back and she said, oh, I met you for the first time. And she said, you were so beautiful. And, and this and sister was like putting um, me, the baby towards my mom. And she said, oh, Betty, if you don't stop crying, you're not going to get the baby. And my dad said she took the back of her hands and start like wiping every tear off of her face. So that her eyes were completely dry in like a half of a second. <laughs> because somehow she took the sister seriously that um, this baby wouldn't be given to her. <laughs> she was crying. I'm crying now. <laughs> I never saw my birth like this by telling it to somebody else. I always heard this story as a little girl for my I Got You Day. And so then <laughs> they took me home. And my dad said the first thing, you know, they got back in the car and he had gotten a parking ticket. He said, Damn it, Candace Ann, you cost me money ever since. <laughs> my husband still says to this day that my dad gave him a dowry <laughs> to take me. <laughs> so they took me home and they stopped to get something, some milk or formula or something that was probably on a list. And um, I sat in the car with my mom in her arms. That's how you carried your baby home, in the front seat, unseatbelted in your arms. <laughs> Although we did seatbelt. I do remember my dad liked seatbelts. So he went in and he got the grocery bag. And my mom said, I remember when he came out, he had this ball. And he said, she said, like he was such a little kid. Like he went into the grocery store. He was so excited. He's going to play ball with his three-month-old daughter. <laughs> 
And she said, it seemed like such a big ball. And she said later she looked at it and it really kind of cupped in her hand. It wasn't a big ball at all. And so that was my I gotcha story. That's how I was born. Da, 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 da. And so that was on May 2nd. That's my I got you day. And I have to admit, these last 25 years, I felt really kind of sad because my sister, you know, she was not born naturally and I absolutely adore her. And um, I remember every part of her birth story and you know, this, that wasn't a special day to her. And, you know, we really didn't celebrate it as a family. It was usually done kind of privately. My mom would you know, get a gift or, you know, say happy I got you. So sorry, I had a tickle. So my sister, um, you know, we were, we're 10 years apart and, uh, you know, I, I never talked to her about my, I got you day cause we're sisters. I mean, I don't think of her as anything different than my sister. And I don't think she ever thinks of me like that. So this year I was on this quest, this challenge and the challenge that the prompter of, of the quest gave us was a couple options, like to give a hundred dollars to somebody or to read a book, a special book or, um, or to give something meaningful away and all of a sudden, what that led me to was this. I decided to make my I Got You Day a special day again because it was feeling bad and it shouldn't have felt bad. You know, it just felt sad. I just missed my parents. I missed that somebody knew that they got me. <laughs> what a big baby I am right now, but that's okay. We all have a little girl's heart, don't we? I like to think that I do. My little girl was sad. She was sad she didn't have her special mom and her special dad. And she wanted to celebrate. And she wanted to celebrate her parents. So what I did was, is I thought, what has meaning that you're holding on to that your children are going to inherit but it probably won't mean anything to them unless maybe you give it to them now and place the meaning on it. So I decided that from this day moving forward, I would make my I Got You Day, May 2nd, special by giving my children something special. So this year, what I gave my son was my father's pocket knife. It's been sitting in the bottom of my jewelry um, door for 30 years. And my dad carried that always. When I was a little girl, it was in his pocket. When I was a teenager, it was in his pocket. The day he died, it was in his pocket. It was his pocket knife. And it was really pretty too. I liked it. And so I gave that to my son who never met his grandfather. So I thought, you know, now I have that part of my I got you day back. And then for my daughter, I said, uh, you know, because of the quarantine, I said, when you come, I have a little box of jewelry and um, that's Bubba's, which is her grandmother's. And I want you to pick out a piece that's meaningful to you and to have that in memory of my I Got You Day because I had such great parents. 
And so that's how we celebrate May 2nd this year. And so that brings me to my two mothers. So I'm so, so, so grateful that the woman that might be listening right now is hearing a story about a little girl that was really loved. And although you might not know the little girl that you gave birth to and you had to make a decision that supported your life and that baby, that baby that you needed to place into somebody else's arms, just like that nun placed me in my mom's arms. Just like that dad that took care of me and bought me a little ball and cussed at me for (laughs) costing him so much money. (laughs) He was playing, of course. My dad was super playful. That little girl that had a daddy that was super playful. You, my love, gave me all that. Your decisions. The decision of a different type of love. So there's a special poem that I want to share today. And as I met my birth mother when I was 33 years old, my mother who raised me for 33 years, I, she didn't want to do this at first. She had the information about my birth mother and I actually, uh, you know, she and I talked about it. And when we first talked about it, she said, well, when I pass, you can have it. That was in a, July. And then in January, my mother um, ended up giving me some information that helped with the location of, of my mother. Actually, it's what led me to my mother. So the one thing I've never really talked about is I was going through so much when I was meeting my birth mother, you know, just meeting her and talking to her and asking why was I put up for adoption and, you know, all the things that you wonder about your genetics, like, (laughs) you know, all the important things that girls want to know. When did you get your period? What size shoes were you? What size, when did you go through menopause? When did you, like, all the things I could never ask, I was always putting unknown (laughs) on all my medical records. So you, my love that I'm talking to today, I'm sharing happy stories. And my mother who gave me this gift of letting me meet my mother, the one thing I didn't think about during the, oh, it was actually traumatic, you know, just emotionally, too much emotion, uh, too much bottled emotion released all at the same time. So I was kind of going through my own stuff. So I couldn't support my mom. I know that she has really great sisters and she had my my sister. So I know she had great support. But one day, you know, then my birth mother passed away almost immediately within 13 days. And so I was struggling emotionally. And eventually, you know, after I went to the funeral, you know, to my, my birth mother's funeral, 
I just wanted to go back and just be in my mom's arms, literally. I was 33 years old, and I went back, and she was working in a a restaurant. She was a hostess, and she loved this work so much, greeting people and seeing people every day, and she she was able to nurture them and carry their food back to them if they were elderly and, you know, just so many nice things. And one day a woman came in, one of her friends, in the restaurant she worked at. And they said, you know, Betty, we know you've been probably going through a lot with you helping Candy to find her birth mother and her meeting her. And then, of course, her losing her birth mother and you supporting your daughter through all that. I'm sure that this has been hard on you. And uh, we just wanted to give you this gift. And it was a poem and it's called Legacy of an Adopted Child. Once there were two women who never knew each other. One you do not remember, the other you call mother. Two different lives shaped to make yours one. One became your guiding star. The other became your son. The first gave you life. The second taught you to live it. The first gave you a need for love. And the second was there to give it. One one gave you a nationality. And the other gave you a name. One gave you the seed of talent, and the other gave you an aim. One gave you emotions, and the other one calmed your fears. One saw your first smile, and the other one dried your tears. One gave you up. One gave you up. It was all she could do. The other prayed for a child and was led straight to you. You now, and now you ask me through your tears, the age-old question through the years. Heredity or environment, which are you a product of? Neither, my darling, neither. Just two kinds of love. And I wish you all the happiest as I'm crying. (laughs) Mother's Day ever. From a mother's heart to all the mother's hearts, I'm sending you so much love on this Mother's Day. If you would like my meditation on love to offer to your mom for Mother's Day, please go to my website, www.candicehaza.com forward slash love (laughs) and share that with your mom virtually, right? (laughs) Happy Mother's Day. Much love. Bye.